All right, good evening, everyone. <laughs> Firstly, uh, thank you, band. And uh, I think Nick, uh, two weeks ago, was, was preaching. Last week was playing drums. <laughs> and uh, this week is playing guitar. I think, what else can this man, you know, is there anything this man cannot do? He does still need to touch up on his uh, geography of Israel, though. <laughs> so he's, everyone's got to have a learning edge. Uh, also, apologies for my shirt tonight if it's too busy. Uh, where's Geordie? Uh, I said to Geordie, you know, he said, oh, that's an interesting shirt. I said, yeah. He said, I said, it's a bit busy. He said, yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. So. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, hey, before I preach tonight, I want to... Um, I want to do something. I was on a conference this week, a pastor's conference, and uh, it's really interesting talking uh, with uh, other Baptist pastors from our movement across the state, just around their experience of the last few months. And uh, we did something that, um, on reflection, I thought perhaps as a church, we haven't uh, given ourselves time to do a lot as a congregation, which is just to have some time reflecting on the impact of this on people in the last few months, the whole COVID crisis and all that's happened. And uh, of course, it's affected lots of people in lots of different ways and some in small ways and some uh, in quite significant ways and uh, depending on your circumstances. But um, there's a, a biblical concept called lament, which is it's, it's about actually thinking about the things and giving space to think about the things that are difficult and that are sad and that actually lament is, is important. And, um, you know, there's, there's a whole range of things that people lamented, uh, whether it was travel plans or whether it was having family interstate that they're not able to see or um, people who have been um, particularly interstate who are perhaps ill or, or, or elderly and not being able to go and see family in situations like that. So um, what we're going to do is uh, give you an opportunity um, to, to use a, a thing on a website um, to actually put up some words on the screen that reflect what the last few months has meant for you and to sort of summarise the last few months just in individual words. And um, so uh, feelings, how has it, it made you feel? What, is it, how's it, what has it meant for you? So if we can bring up that website now, if you can grab your phone out, um, <coughs> most people have got a phone, sorry if you don't. Um, is that the full screen? I think it is. So you'll see there, you can go to menti.com, M-E-N-T-I.com, if you can't see that. So if you can open up to that website, don't, don't do anything yet, um, but just open up to that website. And the second step is to type in um, the code. So can you all read that code? 896226. Okay, you tracking with me here? So menti.com, and then the code is 896226. And uh, so in a second, I want, you to, I want you to now think about what two or three words would, would capture the last few months for you. They might, be, they might be positive words, they might be you know, negative words, they might be a, a mix of things. And then what I'm going to get you to do now is to start to write them, and as... As people write their words, they'll start to come up, and words that are, are commonly shared will be bigger, if that makes sense. So just, let's just do that now. Let's just see what this has meant for us as a congregation.
You can see those words. Reflects uh, kind of the fullness of experience. The biggest ones there, lonely, challenging, change, um, loneliness, uncertainty, anxious, sad, uh, stress. Um, but also words like renewal, restful, um, family, rest, um, closeness, um, loved, but then also boring, <laughs> um, expensive, homesick, different, sorrow, separation, strange times, stripped back, learning to slow down, disorientated, dependence on God. Sorry? Grateful. I can't get them all. That's powerful. And to me, it just reminds us that we've got to be looking out for each other and supporting each other in this time. Because maybe you've been someone who's been able to say it's meant, it's meant family, it's meant renewal, and it's meant hope. Um, but there's others for whom it's meant um, loneliness and frustration and sadness. And then probably for a lot of us, there's maybe been a bit of a mix of both. So, um, so it's an interesting exercise to be mindful and to be willing to share with each other some of the hard stuff as well and to be able to go deeper with each other. All right, we can, uh, we can put that down. We might see if we can put that even out somehow on the social media or something. Yeah, awesome. Uh, why don't you open up your Bibles now? We'll get into the message proper. Uh, Mark chapter 6, um, series called Kingdom Questions, about questions that were asked of Jesus or that Jesus asked. And um, there's two passages I want to highlight. The first one sort of introduces the scene. Um, they're, they're separated by a separate passage, uh, which is actually the beheading of John the Baptist. Um, but that doesn't seem, the narrative flow is that there's the sending out of the 12, which I'll read, and then there's the return of the 12 and the events that happen after that. So I'm going to read from verse 7 to 12, and then I'm going to jump down to the continuing of that narrative story, verse 30, Mark chapter 6. Uh, verse 7, calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out um, two by two, and he gave them authority over impure spirits. Uh, these were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. The apostles gathered around Jesus on their return and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. 
But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give them something to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said, five, five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to them, to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was five thousand amazing story i want to preach uh, lead into this i'm going to highlight three words just from the early part of this before i get in perhaps what to what is really the crux of this story the first word is actually home the disciples have been away on an incredible mission and they've been doing amazing stuff but now they come home and part of this story reminds me that that sometimes it's actually easier to do ministry when you've been sent out on a mission than it is to do ministry when you're and mission when you're at home. Uh, many of us uh, have had the opportunity, perhaps, to go away and do some sort of short-term mission or training or experience like that. And we go away, and you're living in community, and you're going with purpose, and you're going excited, and you go with into a new culture, and everything's new, and it's. It's, it's, you, you do bold things and you minister boldly and often you see some amazing fruit and outcomes and it's so exciting. And then you come home and you discover that actually it can be pretty hard doing the same thing at home. That somehow it's easier away than it is at home. The disciples come back and they're tired and they're exhausted and now the ministry begins at home. In the same way as churches, we've also sometimes sent and supported cross-cultural ministries to go overseas and live and work overseas, and then we've supported them financially as churches, and it's almost as though we do our mission vicariously through our missionaries overseas. It's almost like by supporting them, they go and do their mission as though the mission field's somewhere other than here. And while I 100% support and love the privilege of partnering with our mission families as a church, we do that with about uh, five or six families. It is, it is not true that the mission field's over there, but not here. The mission field is just here as much as it is there. And so we're called to do ministry at home as much as we do it away. Second word is, uh, is tiredness. Um, the disciples come back and they are tired and they need a break. Uh, and they find themselves in this situation where there's people still coming and going and it's busy and it's crazy. And so Jesus, Jesus says to them uh, these beautiful words. He says, 
let me find this. Come away, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. You know, being away on pastors' conference and talking with people, uh, that the overwhelming thing if I spoke with pastors, how are you feeling, how have you found this season, how are you feeling, how are you going, was the same in almost every single case. I'm tired, I'm tired, feeling tired. I'm feeling tired. And I think that's kind of something across the board. Pretty much uh, if I ask anyone these days, how are you doing? How's things been? They'll say, I've been busy. Do you hear that a bit? Amen. Uh, maybe you're uni students, you don't hear that so much. Um, <laughs> sorry. That's, I just really lowered my popularity in the room. I know that's not true. Um, it was when I did a degree, but that's okay. <coughs> um, depends what course you're doing, maybe. Just backtrack there. Uh, people, how are you doing? I'm busy. And how are you feeling? I'm tired. That is the curse of modern life in the West. I'm busy and I'm tired. And really, as Christians, most of us haven't really learnt the, the rhythm that Jesus uh, set for us, the model that he set for us that actually involves Sabbath and rest as well as activity. And, you know, Jesus, the foundation of Jesus' ministry was, was that he was incredibly committed to being with people and teaching people and healing people. And he gave so much time for that. But actually the foundation of his ministry that was that he would head out of town up into the hills and he would spend time in prayer, just himself and the Father. And so often we, we miss that. We miss that dynamic. I know as a pastor, so often in my ministry, I'm going for things, I'm chasing things, I'm pursuing things, I've got nights out, I've got meetings, I'm busy, and I miss that model that Jesus set, and I'm seeking as I grow older and hopefully a little wiser to learn how to do busyness and ministry and mission and committed to that, but also finding rest. And maybe some of you tonight need to hear these words of Jesus, these beautiful words of Jesus that he speaks to all of us when we are busy and tired, which are come away with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. If you hear that tonight and you're like, man, I need that so much, then you've got to act on that. You've got to act on that. Jesus calls you and says, come away with me by yourself and get some rest. Jesus wants to restore us. Third word is, uh, is compassion. They head out of town and they're going to a quiet spot to get some rest. And unfortunately, about 5,000 people pick up where they're going, chase after them, and they're coming in on the boat. And you could just imagine how the disciples are feeling in this moment. They're like, they're not thinking, fantastic, more ministry. They are just thinking, oh my goodness, the crowd is here again. But Jesus sees the crowd and it says that he has compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And I want to ask you tonight, do you see people as Jesus saw people? When Jesus sees people, you know, it's, it's easy in our culture, in our world, in the, the people that I mix with, the people that are not Christians. I mix with a lot of people. I'm involved in a lot of things, footy club and other stuff like this, where I mix with a whole bunch of people who don't know Jesus. And to be honest, most of them, certainly outwardly, their lives there, they've got jobs, they've got families, they've got lives, they've got things to do and places to go and people. And you can almost think, well, do they really need anything? Where's the gospel message fit for them? But Jesus, if he sees those people not yet knowing him, know that they are sheep without a shepherd. And they do not know the good shepherd who loves them more than they could possibly know. A loving father who created them. 
a spirit who wants to enable them to know God in their lives and a message of the cross through which they can have eternal hope. Amen? Jesus sees them with compassion. Sometimes we are so busy and so tired, we don't see people. We're, we're on the path to, to, to get to some place, to get to some place and do something. I love the story about when Jesus is on the way to do something. In fact, what he's on the way to do in another story in the Bible is he's on the way to go and heal someone. He's been called by a guy called Jairus, whose daughter is, is very, very ill, and he's on the way to heal her. And there's a woman who's been suffering for many, many years from bleeding. And, and you think about all the, the shame and the impact on her life from that. And she thinks, if only I can reach out and touch Jesus's cloak. And she reaches out and touches it. And power goes out from him, from his cloak. And he turns around and stops. He's like, who touched me? And there's this massive crowd around him. His disciples are like, Jesus, there's heaps of people touching you everyone's bumping into you and he says no no someone touched me and he stops and he stops and he ministers to this woman healing and hope restoration and he's there for so long that in the end actually they come out and they say you don't need to come anymore this girl's died the, the girl that he was going to go and heal and anyway Jesus just does what he does and uh, raises her from the dead so that's how he goes about things but Jesus has always had time for people. And my great desire is that we would be a church who see people, who see people's brokenness, who see people's loneliness, who see people's lostness, see people lacking a bigger purpose and meaning for their lives and just see people and are willing to respond to that. So the disciples at this point, um, Jesus starts teaching them and he's doing his ministry and, and the day's going on, it's getting towards dinner time. And you can just imagine how the disciples are feeling. They were already absolutely exhausted. They'd been away on a trip. And um, uh, I know from my own experience uh, what it's like when you've done a whole a weekend of ministry or you come back from a, a mission trip or something, you can be absolutely exhausted. I remember once I did a camp, a three-day camp, youth camp, and I came back from it and I was just like, I was so tired. And I was just so ready just to, it was, it was winter, it was cold. I was just so ready to get inside and like have a shower and go to bed. And I arrived home and um, my wife had gone out and the house was locked and I didn't have a key. I was like locked out and I called her on the phone and she didn't answer. And I had to like sit outside on my outdoor table and chairs, just like sit there in my beanbag I got not my beanbag my uh, sleeping bag I got my sleeping bag and I sat in my sleeping bag for two hours just like going, oh this is terrible the disciples you know I feel, feel I feel where the disciples were out of that story <laughs> maybe not but the disciples were exhausted and the disciples are running on empty and then they come to him and say hey it's night time send the people home it's a very pragmatic thing and Jesus is like you feed them like, what is going on here? Why is Jesus doing this? You feed them. They say, How, they, they, there's just like, that's just crazy. That would be like six months wages. So what is Jesus doing here? What I think is happening here is this, is that when he's teaching them, them a lesson, that when you have nothing left to give, and when, you are, when you're exhausted, and when you're empty, and when you feel like you have nothing, then that, is just the moment when God can really use you. That is just the moment when God can use you. When you feel that you are exhausted and when you feel like you are empty, when you feel like you have nothing left to give, then that is just the time when God really 
is able to use you. Why? Because so often we are so self-sufficient, so self-reliant, and so think we're so capable that we don't cry out and depend on God. We just try to do stuff on our own. But when we realize we can do nothing and we've got nothing to give and we've got so little, that is a place where we begin to pray and cry out and depend on God and say, God, we need you. It's when I see, when I see people pray is when they hit the point where they're like, oh, we're, we, this is beyond us. We can't do something on our own. We need you, God. God, please come and do something here because we can't do this on our own. When a church inhabits that place, when that's when prayer becomes passionate. That's when hunger grows and people cry out to God. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul was one of the, the greatest Christian influences. He ended up writing about half of the New Testament, right? But God gave him a thorn in his flesh. He gave him some kind of ailment, some kind of problem that was a real difficulty and was this constant hassle for Paul. To the point where Paul says this, he says, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me, right? This was no light thing. He had something going on in his life that he described as a messenger of Satan that was given to torment him. And so he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul goes on to say, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions and in difficulties. What a word for this season. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That is a profound word from God. For when I am weak then I am strong. When I was uh, a young adult at uni, um, I was part of a university Christian group, as some of you perhaps are. It was a great blessing to me. Um, and, um, but I remember a time when I was fairly discouraged in my faith. And I, I was just remember one particular night where people were giving testimony about the different ways that they were doing evangelism and sharing their faith. And I was sitting there at this uh, uni Christian group, hearing people get up and share about how they've done evangelism. I remember someone got up and they said, I've been um, witnessing to my friend who I work with, and we've been catching, driving in the same car to work, and on the way there and back again, I've been sharing about Jesus, and I've invited this person to church, and they've started coming, and I think they've almost become a believer in Jesus and everyone's like, oh, that's fantastic, well done. And someone else said, oh, I've, I've been getting on buses and witnessing to random strangers. Everyone's like, wow, that's great. Everyone's like clapping, that's, that's brilliant. And I'm just sitting there thinking, who am I? Because I can't even talk to anyone and let them know I'm a Christian. I don't even let anyone know. I'm keeping it a secret because I'm ashamed and I'm fearful and I don't know. And I felt so discouraged. I thought, what a hopeless, useless Christian I am. And about that time, I got invited by chance, not, not with my friend knowing this, but I got invited to a prayer meeting with, by a mate. And um, it was a strange kind of thing because I went to this prayer meeting with about 15 other people in someone's home. I'd never met any of these people and I've never ever gone back to that prayer meeting, and I've never um, seen these people again. I don't know who they were, but I went into this prayer meeting with them. We sat in a circle, and we worshipped, sung a couple of worship songs, and then 
they said, now we just want to encourage you just to sit there and pray and ask that God would give you a word. And, and I'd never done anything like this. I was a new Christian. It was all new to me. So I sat there and I prayed and said, God, what do you want to say to me? And I'm, I'm not sure how I'm going to hear this message. And I'm not sure how I'm meant to discern this. And I'm just sitting there and um, I'm sitting there for about 20 minutes hearing nothing. And then all of a sudden, I heard a word that I am 100% convinced was from the Lord. And I wrote that word down. It was so clear. It was so distinct. It was though God had spoken to me audibly. I don't think anyone in the room heard it, but I believe and am convinced it was a word from the Lord. And I don't know if you have a different theological position on hearing a word from the Lord than that, and you may, and if you do, well, I don't really care. Um, (laughs) But this is the word that was given to me. Do not be discouraged, for my power is made perfect in your weakness, and you will do great things for my glory. And I took that word to my youth pastor a week later and said, this is a word that I believe God gave me. And, um, and uh, he said, um, my power is made perfect in your weakness. That's, that's from the Bible. I'm like, no, no, it's not. That's the word God gave me. That's, that's the word I got in when I was praying. So no, that's also in the Bible. Oh, really? Wow, that's pretty clever uh, of God. <laughs> um, but I thought at that time, I thought, wow, you know, could God in some way use me to be someone who could communicate the gospel? Wouldn't that be amazing? And um, in some way he has, praise God. Let me say this. If you feel that people around you are more gifted than you are more talented that you don't have much to offer then i've got good news for you god loves to use people like you if you feel that you are less holy than other people and your story is full of one of two steps forward and three steps forward and two steps back and and that you fail and that you're flawed and that you get it wrong and that you, that you, you go sideways and backwards and it's not been this great journey of faith that you see other people living then I have good news for you. God is the God who forgives and restores and makes us holy through the blood of Jesus. And he can use people like you. And if you think, how could God use me? Why would God choose me? Then you are in the sweet spot for God to do a mighty work in and through you. Because that's how God works. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so Jesus asked them the question, How many loaves do you have? How many loaves do you have? They say seven loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 people. It's not a lot. But Jesus says it's not about the small amount that you have. It's about my power, my ability to work through what you have. So offer it. So they give it to him and Jesus looks up to heaven and he What does he do? He blesses it, looks up to heaven, blesses it, then he breaks it, and then he gives it. He blesses it, he breaks it, and then he gives it. And I was thinking this week about the Last Supper when Jesus again looked up to heaven and he took bread again and he blessed it and then he broke it 
and then he gave it. I thought about the parallel between those two stories. But then we have the story of the cross and Jesus who had been blessed just before his death in the anointing by the woman with the oil and he'd been anointed, he'd been blessed, but then he was broken and then he was given. And then even the disciples in their life, the blessing of being with Jesus, but then they're broken as they go through the experience of rejecting him and running away and seeing, hearing of his death. But then they are given in the great commission to the world. Blessed and broken and given. What do you have that you can offer to Jesus? What do you have that you can offer to Jesus? It may be something so small, something so insignificant, you think, I got almost nothing that I could offer. Other people have got stuff that they can offer, but I got almost nothing. I can't do this, or I can't do that. I can't play the guitar, I can't play the drums, I can't, I can't do a heck of a lot of things. There's a lot of things you can't do. But what have you got that you could offer to Jesus? Would you offer it to Jesus that he might bless what you have, that he might break it and then he might give it? The disciples walk around and they start giving. They give a little bit of bread. Here, have a little bit. Have a little bit. You can imagine how small the little bit was that they gave out to start with. Here, just have a little bit. Here, have a little bit. They're giving it out. And then they're going, okay, we'll just give a bit more. Okay, we seem to have a fair bit here. We'll give a little bit more. We'll give a little bit more. Here, why don't you have, here, can you just please, okay, has anyone got a doggy bag? All right. (laughs) Where Jesus is, there is an a lack. There's an abundance. There's an abundance. You know, the love we have for one another, there should be abundance that can overflow to those that well beyond the walls of this church. The, the financial resources in, in this church are enough that we can be satisfied and there can be an abundance that blesses beyond the walls of this church. The resource that we have in gifts and talents and all sorts of things is not something we can just hold for ourselves. There's enough that there can be an abundance to go and be a blessing to those beyond us. If we take what we have, as small as it is, and offer it to Jesus, would you bless it? Would you break it? And would you give it for the glory of God? in the advance of his kingdom. Amen. Will the band want to come up? I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you tonight if you're feeling blessed. I'm going to pray for you tonight if you're feeling broken. And I'm going to pray tonight that you can be given in what you've got. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the blessings that you've poured out on us. I want to pray for the many ways in which we've experienced your blessing I want to thank you for those who tonight can say, yes, Lord, I'm experiencing those blessings and I'm dwelling in them. There's so much I'm thankful for. But I also want to pray, Lord, tonight for those who right now feel broken. We saw in those words on the screen that are put up that there's a lot of stuff that sits behind those words. Words like sadness and anxiety and loneliness and worry and fear and all those kind of words that, have, that, are, that are part of the story for people in this season. There are people feeling broken, Lord. I want to pray that they can begin to experience the the refreshing that comes from your spirit at work in them, the knowledge of your love for them. As people spend time with you, I pray, pray that you would restore them and refresh them in Jesus' name. And I pray that for all our gifts and all that we have and all that you've given us, we would be willing to not hold it to ourselves, but we would be willing to freely give it and say, God, take this and use it however it can be used for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. 
To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.